Hello, everybody. Okay, so this is really exciting because this is the very first time I'm going live on my Paleo Parents website. Kathy, can you believe it? That's great. I know. So I just, I felt like, you know, I've had a lot of people joining lately. A lot of, you know, similar issues and questions going on over there. And um, it's just the group is growing and getting great. So I really wanted to do this. And um, also some of the Facebook, the changes with Facebook, the, you know, the business pages aren't doing as well. So I'm really enjoying my paleo parents Facebook page. So anyway, let me introduce you, Kathy N. King. So Kathy and I have been doing a series of these. We try to go every Monday. It's been probably three weeks now, but We've been doing a series of these interviews and discussions, Facebook Lives, uh, together for, I don't know, probably a couple months now. Yeah. And they're really super fun. Kathy is a uh, nutritional therapy practitioner from, Kathy, tell us really quick again, since this is a new audience, tell us about the Nutritional Therapy Association. Yeah, so Nutritional Therapy Association is out of Olympia, Washington. And this program started back in the early 2000s. And our main focus really is on gut health. You know, we have we have found five foundations and the first foundation really being digestion. So what we find is that digestion really is at the root cause of all diseases. And when you can really work in, on and heal digestion, a lot of other things resolve in your life. So that's in a nutshell. And, and reducing that inflammation in the gut is really key as well. So that's kind of in a nutshell. I'm also um, I'm also a nurse too. Uh, have a have my BSN in nursing. So and for college and Madison. When and why did you make the transition from nursing to nutritional therapy? Yeah, well, so here's the thing. I got into the nursing field and I I thought, oh my goodness, there's all these sick people. And what I really want to do is be able to help people stay well. And what I really always believed at just at innately was that food is really our ultimate medicine. And I really noticed early on in my life, um, when I was a teenager, I was suffering with, uh, struggling with depression quite a bit. And what I really noticed that when I ate healthy, I felt better. When I ate junk and processed foods, uh, it lowered my mood. And so I made that connection early on and really right away started incorporating healthier foods, more fresh foods into my life and you know, I, I like a lot of us, I grew up in the 60s, a family with, you know, a lot of convenience foods, a lot of processed foods that we were eating. And so I really flipped that around in my early teens and started eating a lot healthier. And so that's always really been at the forefront of my beliefs about health is nutrition. And so when I got disillusioned, you know, with the medical system, with our corporate medicine, I decided to and my kids had gotten older. Um, I had been a stay-at-home mom, and uh, kids had gotten older and just decided I was going to go on and study my first love, which really was nutrition, So, and found this program, which was incredible, opened up a lot of doors for me. So, yeah. And the program is, based, is um, associated with the Weston A. Price Foundation, correct? Um, we're not really, you know, linked, you know, in, in any kind of financial way, but uh, what we really find is that a lot of the principles of Weston A. Price really – really um, are incorporated in a lot of what we teach. You know, it's it's that foundational nutrition and really looking at ancestral, you know, taking the best of what we knew before and the greatest of technology now and combining those together. And so that's, that's really, um, yeah, I mean, there's no 
um, financial connection between us and Weston A. Price, but we use a lot of those principles, yes. I just want to put uh, ancestral health because I want to, so this is a kind of a perfect segue. Yeah. I'm going to drink my tea. So. Yeah. Okay. So um, let's get going on our topic today because, um, you know, again, so this is my paleo parents web uh, group and uh, you know, I do kind of discuss and um, part of the group mission is that, uh, we are sort of a Weston A. Price ancestral health, real food movement. Um, and, you know, paleo is more all encompassing than, you know, sometimes people think it isn't quite as strict as, you know, a lot of uh, maybe newer people or people who read one or two books think paleo is a very broad uh, diet. You know, there were peoples that were eating a lot more uh, roots and tubers, maybe more of a plant based diet. There were people like the Inuit Indians that were eating primarily, at least in the winter, very few vegetables and a lot of animal fat and a lot of animal meats. Um, so it, it really is a broad base. So so to say paleo, you know, there's higher carb paleo, there's lower carb paleo, but basically it's a real food diet. And then if we look over sort of the history of humans, there's a lot of different ways to look at that as well. We can look at humans of 10,000 or 20,000 years ago, and we can also look at modern Un, you know, unadulterated, untouched human groups that are still living in a traditional way, we also look at their diets because they have been untouched by modern civilization. So it's not just looking at foods of 10 and 20 and 30,000 years ago, where we are pulling in knowledge that we have from the past 80 to 100 years, even 30 or 40 years, if there are peoples that, like I said, are untouched by civilization and eating a, tr a traditional diet. So really a traditional diet and ancestral diet is sort of another way to, to talk about what we're, you know, what we're about and um, sort of what we're going to talk about today. So what I want to get into today, it sounds like a kind of, you know, uh, esoteric, difficult to understand. We're going to try to make it really simple, but it's the gut brain access and how the way we eat affects that gut brain access. So, since we just discussed that, I just did a little refresher on exactly how to explain the gut brain access. I'll get going. I'll, I'll go ahead and jump in and start with what the gut brain, brain access is. So many of us are hearing a lot more recently that the gut, what we eat affects how we feel mentally, emotionally. And that is just the, the very simple way to put it. But the, but the reason why, so we'll get into that a little bit more deeper so that we can understand why food affects this so much is that the brain speaks to the gut. And the gut also speaks back to the brain. It's a bi-directional communication system. And it does so via the nervous system, the hormonal system, the endocrine system, you know, our neurotransmitters, um, the immune system. So there's a lot of ways that they communicate back and forth. But one of the primary ways the gut talks to the brain is via our microbiota our bugs, our microbiome in our gut, which is really newer science and really extremely fascinating. And it's just kind of been this new direction that I've been going in a lot lately with my focus on gut health, but focusing on the microbiome. And so what this microbiome does is it actually sends signals to the gut lining. It talks to the gut lining, but it also talks, talks directly to the brain. So if our microbes in our gut aren't healthy, so they're either low in numbers or they're of the bad, you know, leaning to the pathogenic side. We're going to have negative effects on the brain. The communication is going to be different. The neurotransmitters are going to be not the kind we want. We're not going to have the relaxing, mellowing, feel-good neurotransmitters. We're going to have more inflammation. And we're going to have, you know, 
uh, depression, anxiety, brain fog, insomnia, as well as all the mental disorders of the Alzheimer's, you know, uh, leading to dementia and Parkinson's and all that. So let's get into a little bit about how what we eat affects the microbiome and thus affects the gut brain uh, connection and, and communication. Can you speak to that a little bit, Kathy? Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, I always I go back to my story. You know, my story is really that, you know, here I was uh, in my early teens and um, not really feeling great. You know, I, I I suffered with depression, even though it wasn't really anything that was diagnosed. I guess I'm kind of self-diagnosing myself looking back. But what I what I started to learn was that, again, the, when I ate the healthier foods, when I ate the, the fresh, raw foods, um, I felt so much better than when I was eating, you know, hot dogs and Cheetos and things like that. So, so what we're, what we're really, what we're really looking at doing is keeping that gut microbiota as healthy as possible. And the way that we do that is by, you know, feeding the gut with, um, you know, primarily healthy raw foods and foods in their natural form, foods that aren't processed. Because what happens is when we start feeding that our guts with these processed foods, there, there's really no nutritional value there. And a lot of those processed foods, I'll call them, um, you know, they, they don't, they don't add any value to that microbiota and they actually inhibit the communication uh, between the gut and the brain. And so what we're really looking at doing is eating foods that are, that are in their, you know, raw, healthy state instead of in a box. And so, you know, I mean, that's, that's really the essence of what I try to teach people really at a foundational level. It's let's take a look at, you know, the foods that you're eating. Let's take the unhealthy foods out. Let's bring in the healthy foods. And that's that's really the basis of where you want to start. I know we get into habits and uh, patterns of just going to the grocery store and picking up the same kinds of foods that we always do. But if you can start making one or two slight changes in your family's, um, you know, diet, that can go a long, long way. And um, so, yeah. Um, and that's really, you know, that really is at the core is that this, the gut and the brain are communicating. This is all new science. And so it makes sense to me that you want to keep that gut as healthy as possible. If you are feeding your gut, your, yourself, you know, new, uh, sugar laden foods, processed foods, that's going to set up an inflammatory response within your, within your gut throughout your body. And those cells aren't going to communicate anymore. That communication between the gut and the brain is going to be inhibited. And we're going to start, you know, people start developing symptoms, you know, even just slight pain, uh, joint inflammation, things like that are all signals that something is going amiss in the gut. Um, so, yeah, it's a good place. Let's talk about um, kind of really back to basics. How so the gut microbiome, what they basically eat are sugars, fibers, basically carbohydrates. Mm -hmm. um, and depending on the types of carbohydrates we give them, we are either feeding the bad bacteria or we're feeding the good bacteria. Right. Yeah. So processed food. So we can say, you know, there are some foods that 
um, say a potato or even some grains might be okay if they're very unprocessed and they're fresh, they're straight out of the ground or off the plant and they're ground and they're fermented or, you know, some of the ancestral ways of eating them. Whereas yeah. you can take those same uh, products and highly process them, turn them into a cereal or potato flakes for mashed potatoes or you turn yeah. them into highly processed. It changes the cellular structure so much in those cells of that plant that now they're going to feed the bugs in a bad way. They're going to feed the bad bugs. So in that way, keeping those foods whole, so again, closer to nature, closer to how they come out of the ground. But also there are a few foods that really just, no matter what you do to them, are going to feed bad bugs. And generally with the paleo diet, not not always. I mean, an ancestral diet, they did generally, you know, there's some theories that they ate some grains, they fermented them for a couple, you know, 14 days. So there's definitely that, that um, sort of thought process or theory. Um, so we definitely encompass all of that. Uh, so some grains, but just not the, to the extent that we're eating them today, certainly not three times a week, you know, a day, um, mm -hmm. highly processed wheat and gluten and all those. So um, generally a lot of grains, a lot of starch, a lot of, um, you know, breads and pastas are going to feed the bad microbiome and going to lead to those inflammatory signals, eating a lot of sugar, even eating too much fruit or processed fruit, you know, into like gummies or fruit roll up. Yeah. 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 That's going to feed some of the bad microbiome. So some of the good guys are going to be the things we just know. This is one of the reasons why we know kale and, you know, broccoli and some of those real fibrous foods are so good because the, our gut bugs are good guys actually eat the fiber that we don't ingest. We can't mm -hmm. metabolize that. It's that that's their food. And so that is why you got to get your fiber. One of the reasons, but primarily if you're talking about having good gut function, good bowel function, the reason is that your microbiome produced, you know, the nutrients and the motility in your gut and the monitor, you know, how things are talking and working and moving. So that's really the key is feeding them that fiber. We're, we're giving that to the gut bugs. We've, lived with gut we've, we've evolved for hundreds of thousands of years with these gut with these bugs all over in our bodies but primarily in our micro in our in our intestinal tracts they're essential so so eating those good good veggies forget to give them their fiber um kind of cutting back like you said on the processed foods so we're not feeding the bad bugs um let's talk a little bit about do how do fats and proteins are they affecting are they problematic are they helpful where do the where do we think they fall on all this and and uh let me just finish that. So, you know, I know there's people that are very plant based. There's some of us, you know, I definitely believe we need to have a lot of plants in our diet, but mm -hmm. I'm definitely a proponent of animal products in the diet. Certain amounts of meat, you don't need to eat a steak three times a day, but definitely we get things from animal products and animal proteins we can't get from anywhere else. But I do believe in a high, you know, vegetable diet for the, you know, this microbiome primarily. Yes. But is there, is there going too far with meat and protein when, we, when it comes to the gut microbiome or? What do you think about that? Well, you know, here it, it, it can be a very complicated issue. I mean, we try to make it simple for people. But here's the thing. I was just like thinking back about something that you said is that, you know, when when we talk about ancestral nutrition, you, you know, we are especially in the United States here. We're just a melting pot. You know, you can have, uh, you know, all pe people's backgrounds now are all mixed. And so. You know, for instance, I have I have some European, I have some Scottish and, uh, you know, and some German and 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 the diets vary, you know, from from place to place. And so it's just that it's not a one size fits all for everybody. And that's what we're learning. So you do have to kind of 
find the foods that work for you and you have to pay attention to make sure that, you know, again, what works for one person doesn't work for another person. But when you're talking protein, um, what you really, I do believe in having animal sources of protein as well. As well. I, I think we really need those. Uh, but, you know, the, the sources that we use for our protein, we want to make sure that they're as clean as possible. You know, we don't want to be eating USDA beef that's been raised in a slaughterhouse uh, because that that particular beef is going to be laden with, um, you know, hormones and, um, you know, they're they're fed an unnatural diet, which is a grains diet. And, you know, cows are supposed to eat grass. So you talk about like what that does is when you feed cows grains, soy and corn, it sets up uh, inflammatory response in their guts. And so the meat that comes from those unhealthy animals is going to have a huge amount of saturated fat in it for one. It's, it's not going to be, it's not going to be the healthy balance between the saturated fat and the omegas, but you're going to have meat that, that actually promotes inflammation in your body. That's why it's so important to eat clean, clean sources of meat. So whether that comes as, you know, beef, lamb, pork, fish, you know, chicken, poultry, um, whatever animal source, you know, even if it's small amounts of dairy as well, that if you kind of look back at what your your ancestors ate and take a look at that, the foods that kept them healthy, you know, those I think are the animal proteins that we should incorporate into our own diets. You know, and I've, I've run into many people, it's like, oh, I cannot eat a steak. You know, and, and one thing I think is that we eat way too much muscle meat. Um, we probably need to eat more of the organ meats, but a lot of people turn up their noses at, at that. I actually happen to really love um, liver and and do try to incorporate organ meats into my diet so that I have a balance. So it's not just all steaks, um, you know, or hamburger or whatever. But, you know, again, try to eat eat a variety. And again, like you said, keeping, um, you know, the primary source of the diet being plant-based, but then incorporating um you know, certain amounts of animal nutrition into that is, and even almost protein more like a condiment. But again, depending, if you're a child, if you're growing, you might have more needs. If you're an athlete, you're going to have higher needs for protein. If you're somebody that lives fairly sedentary, then you may not have as high of a protein requirement. So um, there's so many different factors, and that's why it is helpful to have somebody that you can you know, run this, if you really are truly having some, some issues with your, um, you know, in, in any fashion, you're having some kind of inflammation in your, in your body that you're looking to resolve with, uh, other than medication, then you really got to start looking at diet and it takes some time. You know, this is, this isn't a, you know, overnight, take a pill and everything's cured. You know, your body took a while to get this way. It's going to take a while to, start to make these small changes, baby steps, and incorporate some of this. But anyway, that was the long answer to um, <laughs> proteins. But, you know, again, it's just it's just not a, a straight answer with that. So, you know, right, I right. try to look back to, you know, my ancestral lineage and what were the foods that they ate and um, and then pay attention to any symptoms you might have following 
um, eating that particular food. If you get a headache or you, um, you, you know, stomach ache, you know, bloating or gas or anything following certain foods that you eat, you, you need to take a look at that and say, okay, well, is this, is this food, ser- you know, serving me, <laughs> you know, or is it not? Right, um, right. Yeah, so I think uh, going back to, you know, the sources of protein, a couple of things I want to add to that is, like you said, the, you know, the, the pesticide or the, um, you know, antibiotic, the um, toxin load in some right. of, the, you know, some of the CAFO, the um, industrial farm raised animals is going to actually kill off the microbiome. So that's not going to be helpful at all. You know, but generally eating a very high quality animal protein is, um, is not going to, is not going to do it really doesn't feed the microbiome that much, but as long as it's a clean source, it's not going to upset the microbiome either. Um, but adding to that protein from other sources, like you said, we in this, in, the, in our country particularly exclusively feel that we or have culturally evolved to eat only muscle meat and yeah. like you said, turn up our noses at everything else. The big problem with that is that we're actually overdoing the methionine and the, I'm not even sure I know methionine is the primary one in muscle meat. We're overdoing the methionine. And we're not getting a lot of the, you know, 24 other amino acids there that are coming from collagen, other organs, you know, the, you know, all the different parts of, the, of an animal that we should be eating, getting different. So bone broth, collagen, eating you know, meat on the bones. We're getting a little bit of the collagen, the minerals from the bones, the, you know, even some marrow. So varying that and keeping necessarily not having a, a ginormous steak all the time, keeping some of the muscle meats down, but adding some of those others to the diet is also going to help heal the gut lining. So I just as a little segue to what I, that that just reminded me when you're talking about the methionine, because I was reading in one of my books on cancer nutrition was that, you know, we're hearing a lot of information about red meat causes cancer. And I think what's happening and what I I saw somebody brought up was that it's not red meat itself. It's, it is just what you said. It's like an abundance of this methionine that is actually, causing more inflammation and, 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 and I don't want to say causes cancer, but you know, it's a, it's a contributing factor because you're right. We're not eating the collagen, the bones, the, the organs. We're not using the entire animal. We've just gotten into a habit of like, you know, a big juicy steak. So yeah, it's a problem. Always, always, it pretty much all goes back to the microbiome. So, you know, we want to, we want to nurture, nourish that. And then we want to nourish and heal the gut lining where, so that's where the bone broth comes in and the collagen. It's very, you know, important in the lining of the gut because it's kind of like a skin. It is a skin. It's an epithelial tissue, just like, you know, our skin or all of our, you know, lines from our nose and our mouth all the way down to the bottom. It's all sort of a skin type of a lining. And we all know collagen sort of helps with wrinkles. So it similar, similarly helps to heal that gut lining. And then, and then the microbiome can thrive on those veggies we add in there. Um, yes. and then we have the proper, relationship and the proper signaling from that microbiome to the brain. So, you know, for kids, let's say, you know, I, I have a lot of people joining my, the paleo parents because of kids behavior or kids health, yes. and, you know, for ADD, for, um, you know, we could call it brain fog in adults. Certainly I'm sure kids have some sort of brain fog as well. Um, behavioral disorders, anxiety, sleep issues, you know, just removing those processed foods because we're not feeding the bad bugs is really if we can simplify it in that way, it's it's kind of a cool way to really understand the deep the deep reason why we need to get those you know the the graham crackers and the cereals and the 
highly processed foods out of the diet so we don't feed the bad bugs so those bad bugs don't give those bad messages to the brain and then and then incorporating those proteins so that we can rebuild the gut lining we can rebuild all the muscle tissue and the other really important thing is healthy fats because healthy fats are integral to all of our cells all of our cell walls if our cells are leaky if our cells aren't well supported and you know, they're going to break down and they're not going to support the gut. They're not going to support the microbiome. And we also need all those things in a meal. We need fats and the proper proteins to digest everything. So it really has to all kind of be there. Um, You know, one thing I want to sort of caution people on when we're, as we're talking about gut issues, you know, we can go off in a completely different direction. People that have a lot of gut issues sometimes have a problem with too many vegetables. That is sort of a overall dysbiosis or imbalance in the microbiome and ideally we want to get it back to balance so you can eat all those veggies again. So that is, you know, what happens is that we, for other reasons, medication, stress, all that, our microbiome becomes imbalanced and then, and then we're feeding the bad guys too much, even with, you know, some healthy vegetables. So that's, you know, just to put a sort of a, a cautionary thing out there that some people might go, I just can't tolerate vegetables. They're telling me in my paleo diet to add veggie. I can't tolerate them. That is something you definitely need to work with a practitioner on getting your microbiome back in balance so that you do tolerate those those fibers again. Um, so that's a really sort of important caveat. And, you know, that can take years. There's people on SCD diets and GAP diets for 5, 10 years. Maybe they can never put, say, sweet potatoes back in their diet. Um, those are things that are, you know, sort of caveats that we want to, you know, just sort of put out there that there are people that, need to work on their gut. It's a, it's a sign you need to work on your gut microbiome. But again, it all comes back to that microbiome. Right. Well, and we have a tendency too with, with children is like to put out a plate of raw vegetables and some dip, you know, and, and, and that's great for sure. But you know, what I try to tell my parents is that make sure there's a balance of the raw and some of the like cooked or steamed vegetables. Um, and actually there was a period of time where I myself, like I really didn't tolerate raw vegetables very well. And I went through a period of probably a good year or so where I, w- I don't want to say I didn't ever eat a salad, but what I did was I, I stuck with the smaller leafy greens and then I, I lightly steamed a lot of my vegetables and I found that they were so much easier to digest when they were slightly cooked. And so that can, that can be really helpful for anybody who is, like just getting all kinds of gas and bloating from eating all kinds of, you know, raw and, and lots of kale and things like that. Kale is the one that like I never could tolerate kale. <laughs> and uh, so I always had to make sure if I had kale, I would always throw it in my soups because it would get cooked. And, um, you know, I really enjoy it. And soups is another thing. Like if you're looking for ways to get bone broth into your kids, you can hide that in just making really yummy, tasty chicken soup, you know, with a few little veggies in there and, Kids don't know the difference, you know, that's what between that and, and like using some powdered, uh, you know, soup broth. This is going to be so much more, um, beneficial to your child, uh, to your child's gut. Right. Uh, Yeah. Yeah. For kids, you know, we can think about adding a little bit more wild rice. You know, I even do some Mm -hmm. rice noodles. They just love it. It's a great way to get bone broth in. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. Um, some interesting things in there. So they're not just drinking a mug of, of hot broth. They don't, they mind. <laughs> um, okay. So I think we've really touched on the, the primary things, um, you know, just, just kind of going back and recapping that, that, that gut brain access there. It's talking in both directions. Inflammation is a key, you know, there's this whole theory that depression is actually an inflammatory process. Yes. And this 
really where that comes from is what we're putting into our guts is getting, you know, the, the messages are getting sent to the brain. Um, the brain is also talking to the gut. So, you know, if we're, if we're under stress, those stress hormones are going to affect the brain. The brain's going to tell the gut, you know, to release, you know, there's all sorts of hormones released in the gut too. So, so stress, we need to relax. We need to bring the cortisol down. All those things affect the microbiome in our gut. So, and then of course, you know, adding in some fermented foods to help give them not only food, but that actually repopulates the, you know, the microbiome with a variety of from wild ferments. So that's another great way to, to up our, you know, populations with. That'd be a great, another topic to talk about too, is how to get like, you know, high, high probiotic and fermented foods into your kid's diet. You know, that's, um, I never had those, but when I started incorporating fermented foods into my pretty much into just about every meal I eat, I try to put some kind of fermented uh, food, not always, but, um, you know, it makes a difference, it makes a huge difference. I'll go like a week without eating fermented foods and be like, oh, my God, what is going on? <laughs> and then it like adding that in just helps so much to um, just with digestion, overall digestion, even if it's just drinking, you know, I make my own homemade kombucha, even if it's just drinking my kombucha. Mm-hmm. Be really helpful. I think we need to definitely keep our fermented foods buried, you know, because yeah. kombucha or kefir, if you're that's all you're doing, you're going to be getting a single or you know two or three strains of whatever may you know whatever uh, biotics are making that ferment. So trying to vary that, I know it is it is a bit tricky with kids. Um, you know, I've done I've done podcasts and and a lot of stuff on this. Pickles are really the number one easiest way for kids. Yeah, you can, you know, making Yogurt. sure they're. There's another yeah. good one. Kefir, yeah. like you said. Kefir, yeah. Making sure the sugar's low, making sure kefirs are generally, I, I direct people to kefir because yogurt sort of, you don't really know. It's not plain yogurt you know, on the store shelf is not generally fermented long enough. Kefir tends to be a safer bet. Yeah. Um, but you know, if your kid is a little more adventurous, like my 12, almost 13 year old, he'll do um, the gut shots. So it's like a liquid. Yeah. Like if you took the, if you took a sauerkraut liquid, um, it's just like you're drinking it. Um, so the pickles, they also have like fermented, um, uh, relishes and stuff like that. You can make your tuna or your sandwiches with that. Um, mm-hmm. and then some, a little bit of kombucha for the kids, a little bit of kefir for the kids. So keeping that rotating as well. And you don't need a lot. You really don't need, no. you know, a tablespoon or so. If you're, if right. you eat it every meal, tablespoon of sauerkraut, kimchi, something like that really goes a long way. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. People think they need to eat a lot of it. And really it's just a condiment. Sorry. Right. Yeah. So, yeah, let's just wrap this up with our, our favorite topic lately. You and I both, I think, is this microbiome, keeping it yes. healthy. You know, if you've been on antibiotics, you know, definitely take some probiotics, get those fermented foods in, get your veggies in to a tolerable level, get the, you know, the pesticides and the, med- the medications and the pesticides, and the GMOs and the non-organic foods are going to wipe out your, your microbiome. So we really want to be aware of what's wiping it out as well as how we're rebuilding it. So, right. And, and just as a little side note too, is that our, um, you know, I don't know what it is, 80, 90% of our immune system is in our gut. So, you know, you're talking about trying to stay healthy with the cold and flu season. And if you have been on any kind of antibiotic for the flu or, or virus or whatever, it definitely, you've got to repopulate that with some, some good probiotics and also some, you know, good old fashioned fermented foods for sure. And that's going to keep that immune system healthy and functioning well. So yeah, yeah. that is a really big thing when you, when your child has been sick um, mm-hmm. and you want to prevent the next one, we all think about vitamin C or you know, maybe vitamin D, but for sure 
that gut lining, that, that 80 to 90% of the immune system in the gut lining, you really, really need to get at, at minimum a probiotic pill or powder, you know, at best, some of the other things we're talking about to just mm-hmm. really fortify that microbiome. So love your bugs, take good care of them. And, uh, you know, we'll keep on this topic because I'm loving the, the microbiome topic because it's just, just huge right now. It's, it's super important. It really, it's everything really. It yep. All right. So I'm going to put all of our links to how you can get hold of Kathy and I. I'm Katanya Taylor from KatanyaTaylor.com. Um, hopefully if you're watching this, you're already part of Paleo Parents, but go over and check me out. Just my name is Katanya Taylor. That's my business page. Uh, Kathy, do you have your uh, business page up yet? Yeah, it's up. Better World Nutrition. I'm working on it. But okay. yeah, I've got some articles and things on there. So I, I want to start doing some Facebook lives and, and start adding some more valued content to that page. So for sure. Great. Well, you guys can get hold of Kathy at betterworldnutrition at gmail.com. You can get hold of me at katanyataylor.com. You and- can also private message me on Kathy Enking, uh, Kathy Mitchell Enking, my, my personal page or my, um, Better World Nutrition page too through private messenger. I'm happy to do that as well. So. Great. Yeah. We both work with patients one-on-one, clients one-on-one. I, we both work in clinics. So get hold of us and for sure put questions down below and we will get back to you and answer as many as we can. Thanks for being here. Thank you, Paleo Parents, for participating and making such a great group. And we'll talk to you soon. All right. Bye. Thanks, Kathy, for being here. Bye, guys. Bye.